Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. Guys, it's episode two. No, season two of episode one. <laughs> season two of episode one of the podcast. <laughs> And we are off to a stellar beginning to the next season of the podcast. I'm excited for this. Season two is going to be amazing. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, we're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. But before we do, the passage that we're looking at, I thought there could be a fitting question to open us up. Okay. Here it is. What is the best room in your house? Best room in my house? Mm -hmm. I... So we we have uh, what we call the music room because it's where uh, our kids' piano is, and we hang uh, our other instruments on the wall there. And I I love being in that room, um, part because I love music, but I I mostly like hanging out in there when no music is being played, like when it's a quiet room. <laughs> so <laughs> so I love I love when my children are playing piano. I love it when my wife plays violin. Um, but I I'm I'm happy to be in there and read a book when no one's around. Yeah. Nice. What other instruments are hanging on the wall? Yeah. Uh, there's a, a mandolin and a guitar, mm-hmm. and, and a violin, wife? and and then the piano's and in there. The, piano. the violin is on the wall. Uh, yeah, the, well, it's my it's my uh, uh, kid's violin, uh, not my wife's. Hers is hers is uh, stored someplace else where it's not going to get busted up. Mm-hmm. Have your parents ever been tempted to sneak into the music room and steal the instruments and sell them <laughs> on the black market? <laughs> Great my, question. Lock my, all the doors when they come over. My favorite room in the house is we don't have a traditional dining room, and our and our kitchen table is not in the kitchen. It's just this, I don't know, it's kind of like these open concept houses, so I don't even know, you know, what room it is, but it's where the dinner table is. Because uh, there's a dinner table where we have a lot of laughter and a lot of conversations, and then right next to the dinner table is a china hutch that we turned into an old-fashioned candy store, um, and so that's that's my favorite area in the house. Seriously, yeah. you can go there and you can eat a Werther's and get your uh, phone thrown in jail. Legit, Ooh. there are Werther's in yeah. the old-fashioned candy store because nice. that is a very old-fashioned candy. Yes, it Fireballs, is. Fireballs, do you remember those? I do. Oh yeah. Twizzlers mm-hmm. are in the candy store. Those uh, those really good like big round lollipops. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Like we have we have those. So what is your favorite candy at the candy store? Fireballs. The fireballs. Yeah, fireballs are a staple. I think the overall favorite, and this really isn't an old fashioned candy, although I don't know how long it's been around, but uh, York peppermint patties. Oh yeah. Yes. They they fly out of the candy store. Mm-hmm. That would be what pr- I would pretty have fast. For. Totally. Uh, my favorite room in my house is the kitchen. I love to cook. Love to just create good food where people can come and eat and just have some good, make some good memories over some good meals. So mine's my kitchen. I don't, you know, I don't mind the cleaning part after either, but the cooking is definitely my favorite. So, all right, Clayton, comma guy, tell us what we're looking at. We're going to read a passage in Joshua uh, in chapter 18 here. Let me give you a little context here. Um, Actually, I'd I'd recommend, um, we've been in uh, Joshua for a little while, but it's still probably worth, maybe even right now, uh, going and checking out uh, the Bible Project video about Joshua. So uh, one of the really helpful things about those videos is they give kind of the outline, the structure of the book, and it kind of gives you a map of where you're at in the book. And uh, uh, Joshua, the, the kind of big picture of what's going on in this book is that uh, the people of Israel, after being set free and wandering around for a while, uh, Moses has died, and they are right on the edge of the Promised Land, 
And over the course of the book of Joshua, they take over the land. They, they enter into the land, they, uh, they fight some battles, they uh, take over some territory, uh, and they start to kind of find their place. But this is uh, the land that's been promised to them and their first kind of initial experience of, uh, of facing it. Now, that means that the first half of this book is really exciting. So it's got uh, some stories that uh, we, you know, we even put in kids' Bibles, the Battle of Jericho and walls falling down and all these things. And so it feels like, oh man, this is action-packed. But then halfway through, it comes to a screeching halt because they have had their battles and the second half is potentially the most boring section of the Old Testament. I, I think I, I would nominate it for that category. Wow. Yes. And we're going we're gonna to understand why. I want us to understand why it's in there. Because when you read it, you think, why did this need to be included? Um, but I think understanding why it's included is actually pretty meaningful. So we'll talk about that after we read the passage. Uh, I'm not saying this passage is the most boring, but it kind of introduces the section that's, that's so one of the most we're, boring. So we're today on this podcast episode exploring the passage that sets up the most boring section <laughs> of the entire Bible. Uh, or, or at least one of the nominees in that category. Do you hear that sound? That's the sound of about half of our listening audience oh, tuning oh, out to no, the podcast. Here's, here's the promise. I'm going to make you understand why it's there. We're going to make you understand why it's there. So that's what the point of this In this the most is. exciting way this is possible. Gonna, I'm not saying the podcast is going to be boring. I'm just saying if you, if you find yourself struggling in the next section of scripture, you are not alone. So we're going to try to help you with that. Maybe that's a better okay. way to put it. That's the misery, that's the misery loves company warning. <laughs> All hey, right. hey! You mentioned those Bible savvy, or not Bible savvy? The Bible Project videos. Yeah, where do people find those Bible well, Project? You can, videos? you can find those uh, uh, on the Bible Project website uh, or their YouTube channel. But you can also find links to those at biblesavvy.com. Uh, we've got other context information that's there uh, that you can find about any book of the Bible, and uh, that's one of the resources we point to. Yeah, pretty much anything we talk about on the podcast. If you just go to biblesavvy.com, it's normally there. Mm-hmm. If it's not there, it's Caitlin's fault. But. Gosh. You know, Caitlin, <laughs> you don't really know who she is because she's never on a stage and she doesn't talk on this podcast, but she is the producer of this podcast. She, she's and also we... under that bus over there. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you hear that bus come flying through here? Do you have a... <laughs> oh, gosh. That bus just ran Caitlin right on over. It's not... The bus didn't run her over because the stuff is always there. It's, it's there. always there. It's there. She does a stellar job. <laughs> she does. Keeping up with stuff that we say in the podcast. All right, what are we, what are we reading here, Clay? Joshua 18, 1 through 10. If you accidentally poke Eric in the eye on our way out, it's nope. okay. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll get you back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joshua chapter 18, verses 1 to 10, That's you said. Right. The whole assembly of the Israelites gathered at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The country was brought under their control, but there was still seven Israelite tribes who had not yet received their inheritance. So Joshua said to the Israelites, How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? Appoint three men from each tribe. I will send them out to make a survey of the land and to write a description of it according to the inheritance of each. Then they will return to me. You are to divide the land into seven parts. Judah is to remain in its territory on the south and the tribes of Joseph in their territory on the north. After you have written descriptions of the seven parts of the land, bring them here to me, and I will cast lots for you in the presence of the Lord our God. The Levites, however, do not get a portion among you because the priestly service of the Lord is their inheritance. And Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have already received their inheritance on the east side of the Jordan. 
Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave it to them. As the men started on their way to map out the land, Joshua instructed them, go and make a survey of the land and write a description of it. Then return to me and I will cast lots for you here at Shiloh in the presence of the Lord. So the men left and went through the land. They wrote its description on a scroll, town by town, in seven parts, and returned to Joshua in the camp of Shiloh. Joshua then cast lots for them in Shiloh in the presence of the Lord, and there he distributed the land to the Israelites according to their tribal divisions. All right, so here's what comes right after this. So It's actually the description of those tribal divisions. So it, it goes through in detail all of the borders of every tribe of Israel. So it says from this you know, river to that town to this thing, and it's like very detailed uh, kind of plots of land. And so uh, the reason I say this might be kind of challenging is because these are a whole bunch of places, very specific places that most of us have never been. Uh, and even if you have been, it's not like they're all very notable because they're just kind of corners and, and angles on this territory, these borders. Um, and so one of the things we do actually in the Bible Savvy Reading Plan is when we get to passages like this, where uh, it's a lot of tedious detail, uh, we actually make the passage, the readings longer. <laughs> and you might be like, why do we do that? Uh, we call it ripping the Band-Aid off, okay? Because you, you need to understand why they're there, but you don't need to spend a week trudging through all these things, trying to get some new insight out of each one of them. But this passage that we're talking about right now in uh, 18, one through 10, it frames it up so that you understand why these are meaningful. So we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that. Uh, let's start with some observations here. What do you see? My first observation is that's really smart. What you just said about just ripping the Band-Aid off, because uh, I wondered that too, because I use the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. I'm like, why does Clayton have us reading so much of this of these what seem to be boring texts, but that's really smart. Instead of spending four or five days in it, you just get it done in a reading or two, but you don't skip it. That's what you, I really like. You don't skip you it. You don't skip it because God said, this is worth having for all time for people to have this. So there must have been something about it that was important. But also, um, you, it, you don't skip, but you, you might want to skim. So it's, it is okay sometimes when you get a gist of what's going on to move a little bit faster. And so I just give you permission because here's the thing. In the long run, you not losing steam on reading the Bible is probably more important than you figuring out this one passage this time right now uh, and getting all the details. So um, you just don't lose steam on these things. But let's talk about this. What, what do you see in Joshua 18 here? Observations. Uh, what I thought was interesting was, I mean, Joshua gives very clear descriptive guidelines of how it's supposed to be done, but he repeats himself like three or four times. Like it's so redundant and part of me was like why did he do that like did he just he just did he want to make sure that they actually understood like that he understands that they understood like what he was like make sure you do it exactly like this and then once you do it make sure you do it exactly like this and then when you come back and do it i'm gonna do it exactly like this like <laughs> you know? almost word for word exactly yeah yeah there there are a couple of reasons for that um one is the we use the principle here in Bible savvy, right? In the common method, you see a repeating word, it might be important. So mm -hmm. that's one part of it. But the other part is this. Most of the books of the Old Testament were, were heard by people when they were read out loud. Most people were not sitting down reading these personally. You know, there were priests and scribes who did, who, who did that sort of thing. Um, but the average person didn't have a copy of the Bible that they just sat home at, you know, and studied the way we get to. Um, so when they would hear this, it would be read out loud. So it's harder to remember something if you only hear it once 
But if it's repeated, and that's how you're doing it, it's more likely to stick. Mm. It's often the case. That's really good. Observation, the question in verse three, I'll put, I'll put how I read the tone into it. <laughs> how long are you going to wait before you take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? Um, there is a little bit of exasperation here about them dragging their feet on doing the thing they need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 the context right before there where it's like there's still seven Israelite tribes out of 12 that had not yet received their inheritance. They hadn't gone into the territory that was promised to them. So, they're, they, they, you know, it's a lot of people who are who are dragging their feet. And were they dragging their feet because they didn't know what they were supposed to do next? Like, were they... Like, part of me was like, yeah, some of them, some people definitely don't do what they know they're supposed to do next. And then some people might have been like, were they just kind of waiting around? Like, well, I guess we'll just wait here until we figure out how we're supposed to do this next. Um, I, I wonder if they're scared. I mean, yeah. like, to get the other territory, they had to fight battles. And there's, there's a little part of this, this story that I, I feel a flashback of, like, that Joshua is actually there. So re- remember back in Numbers, this is a while back where they first get to the land the first time 40 years before this, they send a bunch of people to scout out the land, just like they do in this one. But then they come back and they say, they're too big, too strong, we're not going in. And, and I almost hear it when, when they say, uh, appoint men from each tribe, send them to make a survey, and then bring them, have them come back. Joshua's thinking, I've done this before. And, and they didn't, it did not go well. So he's, he, I don't know if he's like, oh boy, I know what we're in for. But, there's, but what was at the root of that? They were scared. Because yeah. taking taking the land was gonna was hard. It was intimidating, and so I they could still be the case. There are people living there. Mm. Uh, another thing I see is the casting of lots for who gets what territory. Yeah, why do you think that is? I'm always perplexed with the casting of lots and the various ways in the Old Testament that they seem to use to try to discern the Lord's will, because um, it always feels very superstitious to me. Um, I don't, I don't know why they would do it that way. Um, but I do know that the casting of lots, there was some sense that, that God's sovereign hand was making those lots fall the way that he wanted them to. Yeah. It was his decision. Yeah. It could kind of takes it out of the hands of other people. Yeah. You know, like, especially if you're dividing things up, like I, I think about when I play a game with my kids and they're fighting over who wants to go first. Like we always, we always, you know, roll dice or find some other way to do it. Or, or you go to mom who's not playing the game and say, all right, who should start? You know, it, because then she's doing it and, and you trust her rather than, you know, dad who's also playing the game and he decides where things, you know what I mean? Like there's, like you take it out of the person's hands rather like, oh, I really wanted that land. And somehow I maneuvered or, you know, manipulated to get what I wanted. Mm. Or the maneuver, like when two kids want to share a cookie, and so you tell one kid to cut the cookie, and the other person gets to pick which half they want. Oh man, it's a great, it's a great move. Um, one of the things that I see here is the repeated word inheritance. Uh, it's repeated four or five times here, and um, you know the, the, he could have called this a lot of different things, you know, but he uses the idea of uh, the, the gift of a parent to a child. You know, it's like you're get, you're getting some of the family possession that we're passing on to you so that you can have it and, and enjoy it. And, uh, and I, I, I think that's a, a, an evocative image. Um, I think about, um, like, I, I've never been in a, a situation like this. I've had, you know, I've, I've, I've had a, a relative who died and we inherited, you know, like a, a table and a couch or whatever. But, um, 
but I think of like the movie scenes where it's like, and then they're going to read the will, you know, like uh, just saw like Knives Out, that, that movie where they read the will and everybody's like, all right, who's going to get the stuff or whatever? And it's a big surprise. Um, like I think of that moment where you um, are saying, what what is coming my way? Like the people of Israel who previously were slaves are now being told the king of the universe is going to share some of his property with you. And it, like dad's giving you a gift like that. That's a, that's a cool way to frame it. Well, speaking of the the inheritance side or the, the property, it says here that the Levites, however, do not get a portion among you because the priestly service of the Lord is their inheritance. Will you explain that for some of the listeners? Like, well, I, I actually think you can explain it because I know that you you followed the footnotes. So, well, <laughs> well, part part of it was I look I looked in the in the cross references and it talked a lot about food offerings. So the the Levites were responsible uh, for making offerings to the Lord on behalf of the people, and so that could be grain offerings, fruit offerings, you know, animal offerings, that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I remember someplace in the Bible saying like where they lived, but I couldn't find the cross ref- ref- references about where they lived and how they lived. Like they had yeah. homes. Yeah, I think uh, the the reason it probably talked about food is because that's what land provided. So mm-hmm. that's that's part of the reason those are the relevant verses. Because we we think of land as like, well, this is where my you know you know dogs are going to run in the backyard or whatever. Like, because um, for us we don't need our land for production, but for them, like they're nomads <laughs> and they're like, where are we going to get food now? Well, you're probably going to get food because you you have property. So the question of where the Levites can get food is the relevant one. Um, but they were also given uh, cities within each tribal territory so that they were kind of spread out so they could uh, serve the needs of the entire community. Uh, but maybe that wasn't the verse that they, they linked to. Yeah, so, and then the various tithes and offerings yeah. went to the Levites to provide for them. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to the M... In comma, let's talk about uh, message here. What what message do you get out of some of these observations? Can I go backwards? Yeah, sure, sure we can. It's our podcast. <laughs> uh, one of the one of the letters in the observation acronym that we use, the TRTS treats. You're looking for treats, right? Is truths about God. Uh, what is jumping out to me is what God has promised, had been promising them for yeah. a long time is finally getting distributed. Yeah. And so a truth about God here is God is a keeper of his promises. Yeah, yeah, and, and God is generous too. He's, he's given out gifts, so he, he keeps his promises. That's mm-hmm. good. All right, M, what message can we get out of some of these observations? Uh, my message is coming out of verse three. Joshua said to the Israelites, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors has given you? Um, you can know the promises of God in your, you could have heard them. Um, you could have read about them. You can actually, to some extent, believe them. But I think we all have to be honest and say, sometimes we drag our feet because if we're totally honest, we don't a hundred. If we a hundred percent believed that all of God's promises are yes and amen, and that it's always good, we would never drag our feet. Um, and so the message I'm drawing out of this is, in fact, the question: How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had I had written down there that. Uh, they were not living in or living out their inheritance. 
that they were slow uh, to action. Joshua actually had to move them to action. And I always think it's, um, God is so gracious and so like patient with us, you know, that he gives us these generous good gifts. And then we can be like stubborn kids who are just, no, I don't want to go there. I want to do it right now. And I'll do it later. Just, you know, um, sometimes somebody comes along and moves us into action. I think that's what Joshua did for that. You know, if that's, um, that's someone close to us that is discipling us and helping us kind of walk through and ident- like to identify, like remind us, you know, like, hey, like God has good things in store for you and good things in, in mind for you as, as long as you just pick up your feet and walk into them. Um, I don't know how to actually formulate that into a message, but that's what I'm thinking of when I, when I read verse 3. Yeah. Um, I, I think I would put it, uh, kind of on the on the positive side of what you guys are saying, like the the flip side of like actually embrace the inheritance we've received in Christ, um, it, like go, actually go after it, um, or, or or walk in the confidence that yeah. that we have received that. Um, I you know we, we talk about the inheritance of the land here, so obviously this is a different set of uh, promises that we're receiving. These are promises particularly for the nation of Israel. So it's not like we got some territory sitting out there, an unclaimed deed or something, um, but in the New Testament, these promises get transformed for in a couple of ways. One is like the uh, you know future new heavens, new earth. There, there will be land that will will inhabit. Uh, we can't grab at that yet. Um, but in the meantime, like God talks about us receiving an inheritance in Christ. Like that's language the New Testament uses, and usually it's talking about these uh, these things that are true about us even right now. That we have been, you know, justified. We're made right with God. That we uh, have been set apart. That we've been called children of God. That we um, we've been seated with Christ. Like we have authority in in spiritual places. That there are there are all of these things that are true about us right now, about our identity and who we are. And a lot of times we operate in our life as if we are still waiting to get those things. You know, like that. If, if I just if I worked harder, if I was better at this, or I you know things went my way in these circumstances, then I would have what I needed. And the reality is. No, we've been given everything in Christ. And so to actually embrace that and say, no, I, I am a child of God. No, I am actually right with God. I, I, I am loved and, and welcomed and accepted. Like all of these things are true, uh, but we sort of act like we're still nomads rather than uh, people who've received an inheritance. So embracing your inheritance in Christ is, is my message. Uh, for, for, app, uh, for meditation, for the next M, um, I'd, I'd like to go to that verse that, uh, that Ferris highlighted here. Um, and, and have us ponder that and ask the question, uh, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the inheritance that the Lord has given you? How long will you wait? 45 seconds, ponder that. All right, let's talk about application. What do we do with all of this? 
My application, I'm actually going to draw from the acronym we use sometimes in the message portion of the comma method when you're, you're trying to draw a message out of the text. Uh, it is the specs acronym, which is the S is, so you have sin to confess, P is promise to claim, E is example to follow, C is a command to obey, and the final S is statement about God. So when you're when you're trying to draw a message out of a text, you can be looking for those things. Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? An example to follow? A command to obey? Or a statement about God? So for my application, want to hook onto the P, which is is there a promise to claim? It's been a while since I've done this. I've done this a few times where you just kind of go on a promise hunt in the Bible. And so as you're reading through the Bible Savvy schedule or whatever schedule you use, you just try to highlight anytime you see God making a promise um, and ask yourself, is there a promise for me to claim? Is there something that I'm not claiming, that I'm not fully stepping into, simply because I'm not recognizing that God has promised it, that it's available to me? All right, so my application, I think it, it's coming off of verse 3. Um, I just want to, I want to ask myself, like, where am I, where am I being like one of those, you know, like, oh, like disobedient kids, you know what I mean? Like, when am I, where am I being a disobedient kid to God? Like God's saying here, just like, I have this for you. I've promised this to you. I've given this and you're not fully taking it. Um, so just, I guess I, it's, it's one of those evaluative moments, right? Like, where is it that, kind of like what you were saying, like, oh, if I only had this, or if, if this was going this way, um, I was just doing some, some evaluation, wondering where am I dragging my feet, or where am I not fully uh, uh, taking hold of the inheritance that God has given me in various areas? I think my application is uh, similar to the promise hunt. It's maybe an identity kind of hunt. It's saying, who, who, who have we been uh, made in Christ? And uh, actually, some of, the, some of that work can be done by others. There are lots of people who've put together lists of what is true of us in Christ. It's really easy if you just kind of Google that. There are lots of, um, you know, if you say, who am I in Christ? You'll, you'll find lists of, of these things. Um, and it can be easy to look at that very quickly and be like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. That's a lot of things. Um, but I, I think that there is power in uh, reviewing that regularly. You know, you say, hey, this week, each day, before before I begin my day, uh, looking at that list uh, and, and just soaking in the fact that those things are actually true. Uh, it's not talking about some other person, it's talking about you. And so uh, I, I, I feel like I, I need that. There are times when I feel uh, like I've been either running on my own strength or... And, and that often leads to me feeling insecure or anxious about things. And so when I go back to say, well, this is actually already true, um, it, it brings a lot of confidence. So I'm going to do that the, the next few days. Nice. Well, let me help you out with that. If you go to FICM.org, which stands for Freedom in Christ Ministries, so FICM.org, they have all kinds of resources about your identity in Christ, and they have a free download, a free bookmark download that says who, who, who I am in Christ, wow. and it lists everything for you. So I had no idea Clayton was going to share that. But you knew that. I just happened to know that because I'm a huge fan of Freedom in Christ Ministries. So cool. there you go, Clayton. Thank you. That's List awesome. provided. That's awesome. Well, friends, go check out that website. Thank you for listening to us this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. 
And in the meantime, if you are not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Ha <laughs> ha.